Jesus. Great to be in God's house with you. you. May be seated. So glad you're here. We worship our amazing God who loves us. This morning, as we begin our service in this portion, I want to talk to you for just a second prior to the message about something that is happening throughout churches in America today. And we were asked by Reverend Graham to uh, pause in our services to pray for our president. And so, um, I want to do a couple things here and, and clarify some stuff with you and just let you know that I don't um, use the platform as a political space. I preach God's word and I preach against sin and our culture has made some uh, sin issues political issues, but God's really clear about who he is and what he says that we have to do. And so when those lines get crossed as far as politics versus sin and God's word versus culture's ideas, I have no hesitation to speak the truth of God's word, even if some people feel it's political, it's not. Here's the thing, uh, whether you like the president or not, it doesn't matter. Um, the word of God or the previous president, just in case we have Democrats and Republicans that are kind of thinking in their own world. Um, the word of God tells us in Romans 13 that God has placed those above us in places of authority for our own good and uh, that we are to submit respect, and pray for those uh, in authority over us, okay? So you don't have to like them. You don't have to agree with them. Here's the thing. If you're a Christian, you have to love them, whoever they are. You need to submit to them whatever they think, and you need to pray for them, whoever they are. And so as a church, I find it um, a little bit disturbing, and I mean this in a good way, that uh, Reverend Graham would feel in need, and I'm not saying he shouldn't. I'm saying as the church calling us to pray for our president, we ought to, as Christians, be praying for our leaders all the time. That's our call. We're supposed to intercede for them because we're seeking God on behalf of this nation that people would turn to him. We're not a Christian nation. We're not God's nation. I'm sorry, this is not getting political. I'm being biblical again. God's not like uh, orchestrating his plans by what happens at the United States. God is God, and he's going to and has existed long before we ever did, and long after we will be gone. And so we are uh, given this opportunity in this nation to make choices to worship God or not, to speak against those in authority or not. We are like crazy blessed people that we have that right to do. In many countries across the world, you'd be in prison or put to death if you spoke out the way people do every day on Facebook and social media about those in authority over us. In church, I'm, I'm saying this, I don't, I'm not on your Facebooks, so I don't know what you write, but I'm going to say this to you. If you're not respecting those in leadership over you, you're out of line with God's word. Well, that was a powerful moment. <laughs> I'm just saying. So maybe before you start typing what you think, you ought to start praying and asking God to move. That's all. So we're going to pray, but we're not just praying for President Trump because, I mean, he needs our prayers every day, of course. And I'm praying that God will transform that man and his wife in a real and personal way that he would know Jesus and that he would use his name as the Savior of the world. Would that be awesome if we had a president that didn't use God as a political vice, but would actually say that they are his and surrendered. I mean, that'd be amazing. So why don't we ask God to do that for him? I'm not saying he's not saved. I'm not saying he is. I don't know the man. I know the word of God, and I know what we read last week, 
and it says that those who say they know him, this is for our nation, by the way, and all of us, we read the scriptures, people that say they believe in God but don't do what he says are liars. So that's God's word. So if we're not living the way God has called us to live as Christians, crossing that line into God's realm, we're lying if we say we know him. That's why I tell you the United States of America is not a, we're not God's nation. We're not. Because we don't do what he says. If we did what he said, we could become his nation, but we don't. Actually, we're struggling in the church for Christian people to do what God says. I mean, what in the world do we think ever is going to happen in a political realm, judicial system, school? Why would we think that's going to be transformed when in the church we're struggling with doing it? So we need to pray, and you need to pray for me. I'm your pastor, if, if this is your church. And, and so you need to pray for I need your prayers. I pray for my own integrity. I pray for you every day. I ask God to protect us, keep us pure and right, and living in truth to the word. It's all that matters. And so we join with the body of Christ around this land, but we're going to lift up those in authority over us in recognition of a call of unity in the body of Christ. Hope you follow me with that. Father, we love you. We do lift up our president. First, I want to say thank you for him. With all of his good and bad faults, thank you for him. I pray that you would bless him today with a new revelation of who you are. I pray for Melania, that Lord, she and her heart would open up and she would get to know you in a powerful way and to use her influence in godly ways. I pray that they together would surrender to you as a couple and that they would make a public confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. I pray for those in offices around them, the House, the Senate. I pray for the, the high courts. Lord, for our state officials, our city leaders. We need a revival, God, and you're the only hope that we have. And so, Lord, we're asking for you to move on their hearts, intercede. Lord, give them wisdom and discernment so far beyond themselves, we pray. God, we give you glory today for who you are. You are God. And we trust in you, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So every day as we intercede for those in authority over us, we're doing in, a, in full obedience what God has asked us to do. And so I would just encourage you to do that, church. Just lift them up in your prayers and pray for one another. We need each other, and we need to be strong in the faith for one another as we see what God is up to. I'm excited about what he's doing. I believe we have an incredible opportunity. What's happening in social uh, circles everywhere is this abortion has come, this uh, issue has come to the forefront. And I absolutely believe that God is behind this push because as people are praying and God is moving. Man, I, this please hear me all the way through. Don't just stop and, and start shutting off. Hear me. We are praying that God would intercede in this issue because, again, this is not a political issue. It's a sin issue. And uh, I recognize that some people have been lied to and they've had abortions done and they didn't have that fullness of understanding of things and God is a healer and a forgiver. If you have had an abortion and we have many people in our congregation that have, I have heard from them personally. They have received God's healing and there are many others that maybe haven't yet. I want you to know this amazing God loves you. He is not holding that against you. You are not, like, unforgivable or broken because that happened. God loves you. He's a healer and a forgiver, and he's a restorer. 
We are not trying to impose our beliefs on people. We're trying to impose God's standard in this world. Church, that's what it's about. It's not about a man, female body issue. It's about God issue. It's about life. And so we're praying that God would intercede and that we would see a reversal in this thing that has been destroying lives. That's what we're doing. You don't have to agree with me. I'd be happy to talk with you about that and find your biblical support for not. I would be happy to. I mean that. I love you. God loves you. And I'm praying for that to end and that life would win. Not a political party, not a political agenda, that life would win for the glory of God. That's what I'm praying. Amen? So, I said I'm not getting political, and I'm not. We are doing everything about what God's Word declares to us as a people, staying within the, the Word of God, understanding that God is the authority of all things. All right? So as we look into what God is saying to us and what He wants from us as His people, I'm going to ask you if you spent some time in God's Word this morning. Usually I ask you if you did it last week. I'm asking you to do it today because I don't want you to rely on me to do your five minutes for you today. You need to spend time in God's Word. Did you share a God story with someone this morning? See, I'm not going to ask you this week. I'm asking about today. Today's what matters. All right, so did you do that? Because I guarantee you, if you saw a person, you had a chance to share a God story with someone. So let's do it, man. Do you know what the, God, the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now? <laughs> the rest of y'all are going to find out in a moment, I guess. All right, you ready? So we're called by God to live this Christian life, and it's an amazing life. When we read the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we hear the ministry of Jesus Christ, man, I am like beside myself with excitement to preach God's word to you because of how God convicted me with it. But I love the story of Jesus because it's the fulfillment of, of thousands of years of promise of God. Dr. Luke, who wrote Luke, the gospel, was writing with an audience. He wrote specifically to an individual in the Greek culture, Theophilus. And he wrote that letter to him about the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, sharing the incredible power of Christ and who he was. Because the Greeks were all about mystical stuff, the body, supernatural, and gods, plural. And so Luke wrote about Jesus to the Greeks. And in that gospel account, what he wrote was all about how Jesus did supernatural stuff, the healings the miracles, the power that he had in the spirit world, how he commanded evil spirits to leave, and they did, proving that he is God and he alone, that he is the authority and the power, and he is the one that we should worship. And that's what he was writing about. So all of Luke's writing in the gospel, it talks about where he came from, Christ, that he is God, that he came through, that he gave his life, and he rose, right? So this is the gospel account. This is... God's story from Genesis all the way up to the moment of death and resurrection. The fulfillment of God's promise. Then he starts off in the book of Acts, and Luke is the author there. And he says this, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. 
So, hear this. I'm going to keep reading that in just a moment, but this is what he's telling us. This is so exciting to me, and I love the book of Acts. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And this is what he's saying. This, from Genesis all the way up to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, was God's work plan for redemption. Now, we're going to write to you about what's happening in people as a result. See, from Acts forward, we have the epistles to the churches, the pastoral writings, revelation, all that. This is what's happening as a result of what God did. This is what's taking place. And so when we read in Acts, it's exciting because it's like, here it is. This is, this is mine in your life. This is what God's doing for us and what he has for us, what he's been doing and what's going on. So let's read it. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. I love that, church. Listen, he didn't just tell them what to do. He gave them the directions and the instructions through the Holy Spirit. Now, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. I want you to know we're not believing some fairy tale some like hope thing, Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the grave. You see, here's what Luke's doing. He's, lying, right, he's laying that, he's already wrote, written about that, but he's relaying that platform and he said, I'm building on something here. The living Savior is what this is all about. That foundation. He is alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently. It's like, just looking, man. Wow, that was crazy. Watching, man, they're looking. And this is what happens right here. He's like, wow. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking in the sky? This same Jesus who was taken away from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. There's a promise, church. He's coming again. He is coming. Our Savior is coming again. All right. So now it's this to that moment that we're talking about right here. So this past Thursday was Ascension Day. That 40 days that Luke wrote about, after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, believe it or not, it's been over 40 days since this year's celebration of Resurrection Sunday Easter. So Thursday of this past week was this very day in history where Christ ascended into heaven. So when we look at that, I want to encourage you and tell you that next Sunday is Pentecost, which is like, I'm all jazzed up about that already, so we'll just stay where we are today for where God's taken us. But as we look at that 40th day the, the, of the ascension, we find here 
something that's really important in this conversation and challenging and convicting to me. And I believe that God wants me to share it with you because I believe it'll convict and challenge you as well. So here it is. Jesus is having this conversation with them, and if you notice what Luke said, he said he kept telling, teaching us about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, right? For 40 days, he was telling us about this. And so here, he gives us this little snapshot, and Jesus says, hey, guys, in a few days, Father's promise is coming. All right? What's the first thing they ask him about when he does that? Is now the time for the kingdom? Are we doing this? Are we overthrowing the Romans? Are we going to set up our reign? They didn't even ask him one thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't inquire about the promise. When they heard what he said, they immediately went for what they thought they knew. Because you see, the church had taught them. We've gone over this in Scripture. The prophets, the Old Testament, all those, they had been taught that Jesus was going to come as an earthly king. That he was going to sit upon the throne of David and he would rule here on earth in that role. And so they were looking for that. That's what their conversations were about. When you read the Gospels, they would be like, hey, when you set up the thing, will we be on your right hand? We want to sit in authority. Let's throw them over. Peter's like, I got a sword now, Lord. Let's go do this. That's what you read in the Gospels, right? So, all right, just think about it. None of what they thought was going to happen happened. When Jesus died on the cross, all their, I mean, everything collapsed. And they were afraid and hiding. And then he's alive and he appears. All right, and so now everything's different. So even though nothing happened then like they thought it would here we are after that and they're still thinking it's going to happen like we thought right why because we've learned this we think this we believe this it says this in god's word because i can read it and i interpret it to say that therefore that's what's going to happen and jesus says i'm trying to talk to you about the kingdom of god and a promise that's coming yeah but is it going to happen right now like this Jesus says, wait. Now, God was about to release the fullness of his redemptive plan. They didn't have a clue. They didn't know what he was doing at the crucifixion. They didn't understand the resurrection. They surely don't understand the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit coming. God was about to open up the full plan of redemption where the Holy Spirit would come and live in us and we could live the way God called us to live by the power of God in us, right? Okay, so this is God's plan and they're so stuck on their plan, they're not even asking him about that. They're not even looking for that. They're still interpreting God's promise and the power to what we think is going to happen. Okay. So Jesus responds to their question. It's not for you to know the times and dates the Father set by his own authority. But, so he's trying to call them back. You get it? Call back your focus, man. Come back here where I am. You're not going to get told when that's going to happen. But, come here. I am going to tell you something. You ready? 
Here's what I want to tell you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You will get power. You're going to be baptized. You're going to have power. You're going to be my witness. So Jesus is telling him, this is what's going to happen. He gives them that glimpse. They were still clueless. They were. They had no idea. All right? So this brings me to this moment of truth for day. All right? It's a self-awareness checkpoint. How often am I so focused on my agenda, my God's plan, that I miss what he's trying to say and do in the moment? Like, I mean... I'm going to be really, I'm always transparent. I want you to know I'm like, I'm transparent. Whether you like it or not, this is who I am in Christ. And I'm trying to be more Christ-like in every way. And when I'm reading this and God is challenging me in his word, I'm like, God, I'm like so horrible at this. I've been a pastor for 30-some years. I have, I believe, a God vision for the church. And so I read the word of God and hear me. I'm going to take these promises that you have spoken, God, and I'm going to place them in your vision for your church. So I am going to make this happen according to what I see in your word and what I want to have happening right now. You follow me? It's exactly what the disciples were doing. They were like, yeah, we've heard this. We know this. Power's coming. It's got to be today. We're overthrowing those Romans and we're taking over. God vision, God word, my plan in God's context. That's the way a lot of times we interpret God's law. That's the way we interpret his promises. That's how we live our lives and apply his truth. It's all about my plan being God's plan and applying his promises to my God plan. I hope that makes sense to you, church, because that's jacked up. So what was God's plan for them? Wait. That was God's plan for them. Church, wait. Wait. That's my plan. Here's the big revelation. Something's going to happen. Just wait. Okay, for how long? Wait a minute, what did he say? He said in a few days. That's what I read it to you, right? So Dave is now in the room with the disciples. Jesus said in a few days. One is one, two is a couple, three is a few. (laughs) Day three, it's happening. I know it is. Got to be today. It's been a few days. So, God, I've been waiting now for three days. Therefore, today it's going to happen. So I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to make it happen, because today's the day. There's been a few. Wait. I did. (laughs) I was following it to a T, man. Day three, I mean, it fits, man. You arose from the grave on the third day. Why wouldn't it be on the third day? Come on. We can make it biblical. We can play the numbers game. I can figure it out a lot of ways for you where it just makes sense. 
I've already had to wait for two days. So three makes sense to me. <laughs> so when God says wait, how long you got to wait? Okay, so how long do you wait? Come on, man. This is confession time, right? When God says wait, we wait. But how long do we wait? I mean, Jesus, we know this looking back. We know this, that to Jesus, a few days was 10. It's not a few for me. That's a lot. All right? <laughs> I mean, he should have said, like, you're going to be there a while. Just hang out, you know, and relax. No, he said in a few days, and it was 10. He could have said a little more than a week or whatever. I mean, some other words than just wait a few days. Because 10 doesn't work for me. <laughs> I'm being honest, man. I'm like, I'm reading this. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. That when you say wait a few days, that interprets that. I'm not trying to play a numbers game where you're trying to, you know, like, oh, so waiting means 10. So every time I read that, 10 days, we're good to go. No, don't do those dumb things. Relax, okay? All right? So Jesus didn't give him a time frame. We know it was Pentecost. We knew it was 10 days. He just said, wait. So the answer is going to be when God does what he says. That's when we stop waiting. And how well do you do that? I suck at it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just being honest. See, um, let me, let me ask it to this way. Do you give God a time frame to work in? Let's be honest here and think about it. Do you give God a time frame to work in? So we're praying for stuff, and if you're a prayer list person, things don't stay on your list. If, if they don't happen, you stop asking, because obviously it's either not God's will, you're missing something, or he just doesn't want to do it. So it's dropping off my list because it's like, well, I, you heard me. You know, you ought to do this. And if not, I guess, okay, I'll move on to something else. That's kind of like the prayer list thing. So it's like, just wait, just wait. Well, I did. Okay. So I'm going to be honest with you and tell you that I'm embarrassed to say that I probably put time frames on everything, on everything. And God's been teaching me through waiting that I need to learn that it's on his time and not mine. Yeah. I don't want to clap there, honestly, me, personally. Because I really ask him to speed up all the time. I'm like, you know, time's ticking. I'm getting old, man. And it's like, there's a lot that needs to happen. And uh, unless you're going to extend my life past the normal, he probably needs to speed up some stuff. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so here's the thing. Like, let's go back in, in the Bible for a minute and, and let's learn a lesson. Dave's going to learn a lesson and we can listen in. This great guy named Abram is like living his life for God. And God's like, hey, Abram, I want you to move. Come on, take off. Okay. Doesn't say, where am I going? God says, go. He's just walking along, just going day after day. He doesn't know he's arriving at anything, right? But he's 
walking up on this mountain here, all of a sudden God says, stop, look, look around you. Okay, I'm giving this to your descendants, Abram. I'm giving this land to your people. Whoa, dude, he doesn't even have a kid. He's like, Lord, I don't even have one child. Abraham, look at the, the, the heavens and look at the stars. You're going to have so many descendants you can't count them just like you can't count the stars. Look at the sand by the seashore. You're going to have that. That's the way your descendants are going to be. And Abraham's like, I don't even have a kid. I'm going to give you one. Oh, Lord, I'm 75 years old. People my age don't have kids. Sarah's over there laughing. <laughs> That's hilarious. We're going to have a kid. Right? God's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you a son of promise. So Abraham believed God. And it's counted for him as righteousness. That's what it tells us in the word of God. And he was a friend of God. And God revisited his covenant with him. We know, because we look back in history, 25 years span. From the, hey, I'm way too old to have a kid to actually having a kid of promise 25 years after God said I'd do it. Just wait. Okay, let's back up for a minute. We're 12 years into that 25 now. Here we are, 12 years in. We've been waiting on God. Sarah and Abraham are waiting on God and believing God. And all of a sudden, Sarah has an idea. Hey, it's okay. Culture, hear me, teaches this is okay culture tells us this is acceptable you can take my handmaid who's my servant Hagar I can give you her as a secondary wife she can have a kid with you and that kid belongs to me and we'll have a child see culture said that was normal I'm not saying it's normal I'm telling you culture said it was and Abraham said hey that works and they had a kid, and his name was Ishmael. And conflict started happening immediately in the home. 12, 13 years later now, let's move up. God shows on the scene and says, Abraham, child of promise is here. Isaac is born, son of laughter. Uh-oh, we got a problem. We have an Ishmael, son of the flesh. And an Isaac, son of promise. God's timing, man's timing. God's plan, man's fulfillment of God's plan. What is the result of that? Conflict. Chaos. Confusion. Disturbance. Struggles at the home. All kinds of issues. Guess what, church? God spoke a promise to Abraham. I will make a great nation from your seed. He said, Abraham, you had a boy. I'm going to fulfill your prom my promise to you. I'm going to make a great nation of Ishmael. All the Arabic nations are born from Ishmael, the son of the flesh. This son, the son of promise, is where I'm going to have my seed. I am the God of Israel. That's where my promise will be. Abraham, just want you to know there's always going to be conflict in these two families. 
church. The word of God tells us there will never be peace in these two homes together. We have problems in the Middle East today, and we always will. God said we would, and this is why. We're going to help you, God. And God says, I already said what I'd do. And because we tried to do what God said he would do in our timing and in our way, we got a problem. That problem is not going to go away. Now, let's take it a step further for just a moment and think about this. We're not just talking about physical heritage and things like this. We're not just talking about this coming Messiah who came from the promised child like God said he would. But let's see, where does Islam rise up from? Where does the Islamic religion come from? The child of flesh. The Arabic nations. That's where Islam comes from. Why is this clash happening in the world around us? Because there's the child of flesh wanting to be this child of promise. And you can't. The only way to be of the promise is to submit to the promise, which is Jesus Christ. We have a problem. The problem is me trying to do what God ought to do by what he said he'd do according to my calendar. <laughs> well, come on, God. You said you'd do this, and we're 12 years into this waiting. 12 years. Come on. When I ask God for something in my prayer life, I want it that day. And if it hasn't happened in a week, I'm thinking, what in the world is wrong? God, how do I need to ask? What do I need to do? What do I need to change? Because obviously something needs to happen because I'm not seeing it. It's been a few days. <laughs> Come on, I mean, seriously, think about it. Wait. I don't want to wait. I want it now. Because God, I want what you're all about. I do. I, I, I'm confessing it. I really do. I want God's kingdom. I want to see revival. I want to see God move. And I want to see it now. So what do we have to do to make that happen? That's what I'm asking them. Show me. I'll do whatever. Wait. Okay, well, but I'll wait, but I'm. shouldn't I do something about it? Yeah, do what I've already told you to do. Okay, I'm doing that, but shouldn't I be doing more? Yeah, wait. So this is the scripture we've been reading about, Spirit-led life in Galatians 5, right? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Patience. Waiting. You know, I have no problem loving you. But if you said you'd meet me at 5, and it's like 503 oh, seconds, <laughs> I'm going to be kind to you. I'm going to love you. I'll have joy when I see you. 
but I'm not very patient. So I'm going to be like, God, I'm so good at all this other stuff, you know, can you just grant me a little grace here in this patience thing because it should have been here. (laughs) So when it's 503 seconds and I'm waiting on you and you're not there, I'm like, you know, I got to do something. I can't wait any longer. I'm sorry, but I got stuff to do. And so I'm checking my email. I'm doing schoolwork or I'm reading. I probably was 10 minutes beforehand too. And so then, or if there, none of that's available to me, I got to get out and walk around. I'm not going to sit there in a chair and wait for you to finally show up. I'm going to do something. So here's the Lord. Hey, Dave, wait. Yeah, I am, Lord. I'm waiting. So while I'm waiting for you to do something, I want to read a little bit more about your promises. And this is what you tell me. So, Lord, I'm calling on you to do this right now. Hear me. <laughs> this is what your word says. I'm calling on you to do this right now. I believe. I know. I believe you're going to do it. Thank you, Lord. So, what do I got to do to make that happen? <laughs> Waiting. Patience. You know, God's not in a hurry. And he does have a plan. I mean, oh my goodness, man. I'm like, this is so ridiculous that I'm even talking about this in front of you. (laughs) Here's what God said, Galatians 4. This is such a beautiful little statement. I mean, I love it. But when the right time came, God sent his son. So check this out for a second, right? We were reading the story of Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis in the beginning of time for humanity. And God made a promise right then in the garden that he was going to send the Savior. A few thousand years later, he taps Abram on the shoulder. Hey, I'm going to do this through you. (laughs) 25 years later, a kid shows up. Generations later, (laughs) they're not even a nation. 400 years, they're living in slavery. 400 years. And then God sends Moses, come on, let's move. I'm going to make you a nation. They don't even follow his directions for that little travel journey, and then they spend 40 years in the wilderness, right? You know how long I can go on with this story? The whole Old Testament. God makes a nation. He establishes a throne. He appoints a king, David. Says, David, I'm going to make this covenant that I've been promising forever happen through your descendant. It's going to happen going to send the Savior. A lot of things happen. His people don't follow him. There's a disruption. There's a division, a civil war. Israel splits away from Judah. Now this one nation of 12 tribes becomes two nations. They can't even get along and they fight each other all the time waiting for God. All right. Great. Prophets are coming. He's coming. He's coming. Wait on God, serve Him. I'm talking thousands of years, right? Not just a few days, not three, not ten. Thousands. We come to the end of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, the minor prophet. When Malachi pens those words, it's the last word of God that happens for 400 years. 
between Malachi and Matthew is called the intertestamental period where God was silent. And any new revelation, new prophecies, new visions, nothing for 400 years. God had already said what he said. All right? All of a sudden, when the right time came, God sent his son. God's time. Come on, God. You telling me in those thousands of years you couldn't have found a spot? When the right time came. You know what that is? God's time. God's time is always the right time. And he's saying, look, I've got it. So here's the, the disciples as we fast forward to the book of Acts again where we were. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? Is it happening now? We're all in. Wait. Yeah, but is it now? <laughs> Wait. All right. So he plants seeds of promise, of power, and things that were coming. And he said he was going to do something. What he said he was going to do was he was going to take this incredible redemption, and it was going to come and be in them, and it was going to drive them to places they never thought they'd ever go with the gospel. Crazy stuff, man. So let's see something here. This prophet Isaiah, he had this amazing prophecy. I mean, he was awesome dude. And in the history of Israel, he made this statement. I want you to hear it. This is God speaking through the prophet to his people. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Did you hear what they just said? God said, I, I hear you. And you're saying, I'm not delivering on my promises. He said, I hear you people. And you're saying that I'm not holding up my part of the bargain. That's what you all are telling me. You ever tell God that? Check it out. This is what he goes on to say. Here's the, here's the word of God. I hear you. I know what you're saying. Check this out. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Man, you know what? We think we can do stuff in our flesh. He's like, hey, even those youngsters that think they can beat the world, they're going to get worn out. You may think you're weak and you can't do nothing. That's the ones God's going to move through. And he said, if you just wait for me, I'll do it. Man, we suck at I suck at that. God's helping me to get better, but I haven't been very good at it. See, the Holy Spirit is producing patience in us. Patience in us. 
So if you're tired of waiting, it's probably a problem. <laughs> Wrestling with God, with who's in charge. Like, whose plan is actually being worked out here? Is it mine or God's? Or is it ours? so amazing how we want to invite God into our plans so that we can make them holy. And I just want you to know, usually the biggest problem in God's plan is me. And I'm like, how can that be? Like, I mean, I, my whole life is about you, God. I mean, I'm a pastor of a church. My whole life is built on my walk with you, my integrity. I hope you hear what I'm saying. Like, everything about that. So why am I always ending up being the problem in this thing? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> can't you fix this? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I'm waiting on God to do it. And the whole while I'm waiting, I'm trying to figure something else out. I am. I'm trying to figure out what would work, what needs to happen. So I'm going to tell you, like, in seminary and in all my studies, I never had a class on waiting. As a matter of fact, it was like, you need to read this right here, and it has to be done by Thursday, and you need to give it to us. And it's like, well, I don't even have time to play. I don't care about that. You need to do this, because next week you need to do this, and the next week you do that. Later on, you can go back and really, like, get into it, right? No, keep going. Keep pushing it. Make it happen. As a matter of fact, let's do something else. Let's get a vision for your church. Let's set goals one year three-year, five-year, ten-year goals to accomplish those visions for your church. Are you listening to me? That's a business plan for the church. We are being taught this in seminary. And God's like, wait, I am. Now, if we can accomplish this, this, and this by this time, then we can accomplish that, that, and that by that time. And when we get over here ten years down the road, woo! God's like, just wait for a few days. I'm going to do something. Just just wait. Like, I am. And I'm still trying to figure out what he's going to do in the next few days. You just slow down, Dave. I am, God. I, I'm just inviting you to come with me. Because, <laughs> you know, I got stuff to do. <laughs> it's all for you. I mean, yeah. So come on. And he's like, wait a minute. Let's go back to Scripture in John chapter 10. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Are you seeing a pattern here? After he's gathered his own flock... He walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. So everything about this is about him leading the way. And everything inside of me is like, yeah, let's do it. Come on. Jesus, come on. I want it. That field looks good to me. That one over there, let's go. Like, wait on me, I'm leading. That may not be the field I want you to be in today. Just follow me. I'm speaking. Come on. And I'm over there like, okay, I'm ready. And then when I run off to that field, because it looks amazing, 
And I think, I'm going to take that territory for God. I'm going to make that happen. You know what happens when I do that? And I get in front of, I end up in this ditch down here. And I'm stuck in this ditch and I'm trying to get out. And then I look back and he's like, <laughs> oh Lord, you know, I, I just want you to know this. Like when we end up right there in that ditch because we're trying to do, God's always there to call us back. Always, man. He's like so patient. I don't even understand how he's so patient with me. He's just like, dude, come here. And as soon as I say, God, I'm sorry, he forgives me, man. And he just picks me right up out of the ditch. And he puts me back over here and he just says, here I am, wait. <laughs> That's not funny and you shouldn't applaud that. <laughs> Okay, so this is what he's doing. I read it in there, that the Holy Spirit is at work in me trying to teach me patience and, and learning that he's at work in me. And that's what God's up to, is changing me to be like him so that he can accomplish his purpose and promise. And I find myself in conflict to that when I grow impatient and I don't wait. When Jesus was teaching us about the Holy Spirit, we read this, right? In John 16, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, not send you out to find it. <laughs> I'll guide you. Just follow me. I've got this. So remember this, church. I want to say these, this four little quick statements for you. This isn't my action step, so don't get real excited, but we're almost there. Ready? It requires our following his leading, our waiting, and God's timing. That's what it's all about. See, let's say it again to you. Ready? It requires our following, his leading, our waiting, God's timing. And man, when those things align, God's plan happens. Not Dave's plan, not our plan, God's plan. Oh my goodness, man. You want to hurry up? Here's something you can be quick about that God tells us to be quick about. You ready? It's in God's Word. This is what His Word tells us. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, <laughs> slow to speak, slow to get angry. <laughs> yeah. If you want to be fast, start listening faster. Slow your roll. Don't get all uptight about it. Hmm. So why is it that he would throw anger in there when he's talking about being quick to listen, slow to speak? Because you know what impatience does to us? It frustrates us. In waiting, it's like there's something growing inside of me. And so I find myself talking to God about what needs to happen. And, you know, I legitimately have received this, I say this humbly, God gave me a vision years ago that I, I know was from him. And so now I'm 56 years old. There's, I've honestly had this conversation. I know he laughs at me. It's okay. I do too. When he's laughing at me, I laugh with him. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty stupid. Um, but I'm like, I'm telling him like, you know, God, I'm 56. <laughs> this normal life, I don't have a lot of years left. So if that vision that you gave me is going to happen, somebody needs to speed up the process. 
And uh, you're the only one that can do that. So if you would just speed it up a little bit and show me what I need to do to make it happen, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. Because I want to see it happen. And then God reminds me, like, I never said you'd see it. I just said I was going to do it. And I, like, no, but you showed me, so I know I'm part of it. I know, I, I know, I'm going to own that, I'm going to be, and I never said that. Well, that's the way I interpret it, but I didn't say that. Yeah, but it should be that I'm involved in that. Well, you are just by doing what I'm asking you to do. But I want to be part of that. So now, here's the thing. I'm being honest with you. I cannot tell you how many times God's had to slap me in the head and say, Dave, slow your roll, man. You are way out in front of me. Because I am actively trying to make that vision take place. Let's just wait. And I have all kinds of reasons why I have and I haven't. I do and I don't. And every one of them come to the same conclusion. <laughs> I'm the problem. <laughs> uh, I really want to blame you all or somebody else. But it's me. And so maybe this might help you uh, as you look at God's word and his promises. And maybe what I need to do is stop talking so much to him about what he's supposed to do and when. And start listening because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. It's hard to hear when you're talking. <laughs> and uh, maybe we just need to listen and start following and he'll show us. Let's not get in front of him. Let him be God, man. Let Maybe God's trying to give you the next step. <laughs> just maybe. The next step for his plan for your life. And you're not listening. And you're not hearing because you're so busy doing. And he's just telling us to wait right now. It doesn't mean go home and sit on your couch and I'm not moving until God does something. Right? He's already told us we're supposed to do stuff, right? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. There's some stuff for you to do. Start practicing your faith and living in the moment of God and then leaving that other stuff to God. Letting him have it. So, you know, last month, or actually might have been long ago now, Time goes fast. It's already been 40 days since Easter, so I don't know when it was, but I confess it to you. You know, I was spending time with God listening and not talking, walking around my property. It's not my property, the place we live. And I'm walking around, and God said, be still. Remember I told you that. Clear as a bell, I just heard that, be still. So I stopped, and I'm being still, and I'm waiting. So my natural thought was, what are you going to show me? What are you going to tell me? I'm listening. I'm waiting. I'm standing like I'm ready. Yeah, let's get this awesome vision or whatever it is that's going to happen right now. Let's make it happen. I'm all ears. And then nothing. Nothing's happening, and I'm standing here. And he said, be still. I'm still. I'm doing it. He didn't say in a few days. Nothing. He said, be still. So, of course, Dave's like, how long do I got to do this? I'm like, how long? I'll give you five minutes. No, I, and I'm not saying that arrogant. I'm, I'm saying that stupidly, not arrogant. Get out my phone, set the timer for a five-minute countdown, because I figure, you know, like I'm being still, I'm being quiet, I'm listening, and five minutes, God knows, man, that's pretty good for me. You know, 
<laughs> let that thing crack down and five minutes is up. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah, let's go. I'm going to keep walking. I'm still listening, by the way. I'm going to keep on my, my listen walk. And I'm walking. So this is the part I didn't even realize till just preparing this message. As I was reflecting over that time and how I have tried to practice since then, being still and waiting on God, did you hear me? I was, I'm still trying to practice that. I'm preparing this message, God seeing wait, and uh, he said, so why did you pick up your phone and walk? Not condemning me or anything, but why? He's like, well, I didn't know what to do, and so what I do is do something. Because I didn't know what else to do. So I just thought, you know, I'll give this to you, and if there's something else to this, I'm sure you'll let me know. And he didn't say anything. I didn't feel any conviction when I picked up my phone. I didn't hear any other details, so I just I couldn't stand there the rest of my life. So, to me, it just made sense to pick it up and walk, you know? And I'm, I'm just, I'm being transparent with them. Like, I just thought, go. We got stuff to do. What if I wanted to do something in the six minutes? And you only gave me five. But you didn't say wait six minutes. You just said wait, be still. So as I was going through that, it wasn't that God was trying to tell me I was going to do more for you. The whole point of that waiting and being still was, Dave, you're out of whack. And you need to get your focus and yourself back where I am and stop trying to be all about me. And so when I tell you to wait, I know what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> Like, is this the action step, such as some of you are doing? Like, <laughs> are we, are we going to have a conclusion so we can get out of here, Lord? I mean, I got stuff, you know. And I, it, all right, just here's the thing God's saying. Like, here, here is your first action step. Are you a Christ follower? So you're following him. See, when we got saved, we surrendered myself. Now he's God. Now it's his way. Therefore, I have to follow him if it's his way. We say all these things. I'm a Christ. Are you following then? So if you're following him and you're struggling with where you find yourself or wondering what your next step will be, um, why are you frustrated if you're following him? And why are you complaining or looking for the next step when that's where he's led you? I'm not telling you he puts you in your situation. Don't misunderstand me. But if you're a Christ follower, the Spirit is leading, and he's got you at this place, stop stressing, stop complaining, stop looking for a way out, and wait. That sucks, I know. I mean, it really does. I mean, but on we're following christ now if you find yourself in a place that he didn't lead you that means if you're back dealing with sin or brokenness that he didn't lead you there you did that's where you're in a ditch so that's where you have to repent and get back to where you belong 
So if you are frustrated and you created that frustration, there is a way out. It's Jesus, like it always has been. And so when we repent, he brings us back to that place, and he just puts us there. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. Man, that's so amazing. It's like that's where all of our strength comes from is waiting on God. And I thought it was doing it for God. Because that's exercise, right? I'm going to do it, man. Let's go do it. Yeah. Wait, that's where your strength comes from. Completely opposite. So here I am going back here to seminary. I'm sorry, we're on our action steps. Let's do that and get you out of here. I'm in seminary. You're not. But I'm going to invite you to join me there for a moment. Never anything about waiting on God. We use words, don't we? We know the verbiage about what we should be as Christians, what we should be living like, what we ought to be doing, but here we are. Have you been impatient and made the move? Repent and begin to wait on God once again. So this is an amazing message for you today. I want you to leave and wait. So please, I encourage you to do it. Let God lead you this week. Don't invite him on your journey. Wait on him. Your week will be amazing when you let him lead and you become a follower of Jesus Christ. It will be, because he's amazing. He has a plan. Let's stand together. The altar's always open. Father, as we stand here before you, if this was just a day of confessional time, so be it. Thank you. Thank you, God, for allowing me to confess to all of my brothers and sisters my great need of you and how much I've needed you. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for where I've taught in my life behaviors wrong things to your people by my doing. Lord, we need you. You're our only hope. We want your plan for your church to happen in your time. Lord, I publicly declare that is all I want. Now, Lord, teach me to wait on that. Lord, bless your people. God, lead us. If you need to come to the altar, it's open. Maybe you need to repent yourself for getting in front of God. Whatever is going on in your life, you know and he knows. I just want you to know the altar's open. If your heart's ready, would you go out with God, leading, and have an incredible week with Him? He loves you. God bless you, church. Thanks for being here today. You are dismissed. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.